Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. U.S. COVID infected in America, 6,344,700. All while raising their prices on prescription drugs that union families and working people have to rely on. And in the process, by the way, he's trying to do away with all health care in America. Bad news. Prescription drugs are skyrocketing in price. And all health care is going away as part of Donald Trump's bold second-term agenda. What a day again. What a day again. I gamble like every two, not even, maybe I buy a lottery ticket every three years or something. I bought a lottery ticket last night. This is how this went down. So so uh, because I, um, because it, I had I had predicted that somebody would try to get um try to get Colin Kaepernick in the F- football Hall of Fame, and now there's a small but visible push to do so. A friend of mine, Sap, who's been on this show, said uh, essentially was saying, "Wow, you know, I predicted it. Uh, what's tonight's lottery number?" So then I said, "Okay, play this number one nine four two. All four exactly. All, all four any." And that means you win if it's in exact order or in any order. I still remember the lingo because I worked at Whitehead Pantry and I had to process lottery tickets. That was probably the most intricate thing in my life at that time because you had people who wanted the last two exact, you know, all sorts of. So anyway, 1942. So Sap said, uh, damn, don't do that to me. Because he'll very occasionally, very occasionally (coughs) gamble. So he said, don't do that to me. And he showed me pictures later that he had taken that he had bought a couple of lottery tickets for the with those numbers. <coughs> Just bet a couple bucks. So then my wife was out shopping and I texted her because I can't have him win and me not having played. So he had to play because I mentioned the numbers and he know he 
he knew he'd regret it if he had didn't play and the numbers came up, so he had to play. <coughs> and then that means I had to play because I couldn't have him win and me not have having played because that would be terrible. So so um, I called my wife who was at the store with the four kids at the store. So this was not a father of the year move. Called my wife and told her I needed her to gamble for me. So I said, buy a number, um, a lottery number, the daily numbers game. And I said, 1942, all four exact, all four any. And she said, okay, I'll try to, I'll try to figure this out. And then she shows me, you know, she's younger than I am. She's in her mid thirties and I'm in my uh, later forties. So, so, and so I'm an old person. So, she, you know, people under, generally people under 85 don't play the daily numbers game in the lottery. There's people come a long way from there, but, uh, but she did last night. So she comes home with a ticket and it was for 50 cents on each bet. And I'm like 50 cents. That's terrible. Cause if the number comes up, instead of winning like $18,000, we'll win like 600 bucks. So I said it in a nice gentle fashion. Well, like I said, she's not into lottery culture. You know, so so then I went back to the store. Now I'm in full. This is how I know I'm addicted to everything. And I went back to the store and waited in line and picked out my thing and played my number. And not num not any of the numbers showed up. None of the numbers showed up. I'm having a tough. So I, none of them. Like not, I can't have one one nine four two. None of them could show up. <sighs> So I had had uh, trouble with numbers. Maybe that's what we'll call this. Joe Biden's also having trouble with numbers. This is very interesting to me. He was today at the end of his speech, which was, you know, choreographed along with the Bob Woodward um, tapes of Donald Trump saying he um, played it, played down the COVID situation, which I think is nothing to that. Um, Biden, Biden at one point starts list at the end of his speech. He, he starts then lifting. Listing off um, casualty numbers, and one of the numbers of COVID and then military casualties. This just shows that he really cares. And you know, I don't. I have no reason to believe he doesn't carry this piece of paper around. But it seems to be outdated to me, and it's got some inaccuracies. Here's one of the numbers uh, statistics that he cited: U.S. COVID infected in America six thousand three hundred forty-four thousand seven hundred. Um, I don't know that that's right. I don't know that that's right. I had somebody in. Twitter, I tweeted that out, and somebody on Twitter who, um, I don't know if he said I had blood on my hands or something, but I mean, there was another guy, they're very upset, said that he meant to say six million, and that's probably what he did mean, but it, a lot of other numbers were wrong, or, or I believe they're, they were very wrong. I've looked them up, and I can't make, I'm not a big stats guy, but I just did a, like a cursory check, and they seem to be wrong, but we'll get to that in a second. Let's start where everybody's starting. The Bob Woodward Trump sat for 18 interviews with Bob Woodward, which seems like an unwise thing to do. But Woodward, it's like getting photographed by Annie Leibovitz. He's the glamour uh, biographer, the glamour storyteller. And even though it could destroy your career, why not? So he um, sits with Bob Woodward, and they play uh, a couple of cuts in t of the interview. Woodward um, recorded it. If you heard this in CNN, you would have thought this was a, a absolute a funeral happening. 
They were so shaken by what they heard. Imagine the lives that could have been saved. So here's Woodward first talking about the, this is, I think, in January or very early February, talking about uh, the virus was just hitting the headlines. And so what was uh, President Xi saying yesterday? Well, we were talking mostly about the uh, the virus, and I think he's going to have it in good shape, but, you know, it's a very tricky situation. It's uh, Indeed it, goes, it, it goes through air, Bob. That's always tougher than the touch. You know, the touch, you don't have to touch things, right? But the air, you just breathe the air, and that's how it's uh, passed. And so that's a very tricky one. That's a very delicate one. Uh, it's also more deadly than your, you know, your even your strenuous flus. You know, people don't realize we lose 25,000, 30,000 people a year here. Who, who would ever think that, right? I know. It's, I mean, much it's pretty forgotten. amazing. And uh, then I say, well, is that the same thing? For, this is uh, more right. deadly. This is 5 per, you know, this is 5% versus 1% and less than 1%. You know, so this is deadly stuff. So it sounds pretty much par for the course at that moment. Sounds like where we would be. Now it's turning out it's not just old people, Bob. Just today and, and yesterday, some startling facts came out. It's not just old, older yeah, exactly. young people to plenty of young people. So give me an... So that also interesting. Remember that for a while? That was in the news. We got so much information and so much evolving information that, it, that for a while we thought, yes, it was young people too. Now it, we know it's not young people moment of talking to somebody, going through this with Fauci or somebody who kind of, uh, it caused a pivot in your mind, because it's clear just from what's in on the public record that you went through a pivot on this to, oh my God, the gravity is uh, almost inexplicable and unexplainable. Well, I think, Bob, really, to be honest with you... Sure, I want you to I be. wanted to... Uh, I wanted to always play it down. I still like playing it down. Yes, sir. Because I don't want to create a panic. So that's the kill shot. He played it down. He played it down. He knew how bad it was, but he played it down. He didn't give us the truth because he wanted to win re-election and he wanted to um, get, make sure his fat cat friends' businesses uh, were good and the stock market was good. And he didn't withhold information. He just played it down. He was calm about it and trying to get people to not panic, like he said. It's, and it's just like when um, when Andy Card talked to President Bush, to, you know, on nine eleven, and said that the second building we were at war, the second building had been attacked and had collapsed or whatever. You know, was Bush supposed to go, "Holy Jesus Christ!" and throw the book and, and push over all the kids and run out the door? No, and it's in somebody's head to me, but one's a pandemic and one's a 9-11. There are both situations where you don't want to create complete in unrest and in, in panic. And also, you want it to signal to businesses that there's light at the end of the tunnel. Trump is optimistic. I think that was that was as part of this good leadership. His communication along the way at those pressers, I don't think were good was good at all because he's thinking out loud in front of people. And I said it. I said it was terrible. I said that he was having a bad year for during most of the COVID stuff. So that's what's what's got the world on fire now. People saying, you know, the things that are trending in the Twitter sphere and this and that. And it's it makes for excellent copy, you know. So, you know, we'll play down the numbers and the deadly COVID, and there's almost 200,000 dead. It's just a way for, for really people who hate Trump to feel to 
you know, just indulge in their confirmation bias and feel the satisfaction of being able to blame 200,000 dead people on the most evil man in the world. Trump didn't play this uh, coronavirus uh, situation all that well, and neither did anybody else. And you can call him responsible for it as he's a commander-in-chief, whatever. That's fine, because the buck stops here, I guess. That's fine. But, you know, I know he didn't play it all that well. I don't know if it could have been played all that well. I don't know. Remember that in during the swine flu, which we took about as seriously as this thing at the time, you know, it really didn't affect us other than Purell machines showed up everywhere. You know, Obama was very deliberative about washing your hands, doing this and doing that. And he was very sober when talking about it, etc. And he wanted to keep, uh, he also wanted to play it down. He wanted to keep a sense of normalcy for everybody and not panic people. It was Biden who went nuts and said, I wouldn't go outside. I wouldn't go on the subway. I wouldn't even be in a plane with people. And remember, they put Biden on the shelf after, for a while after that. You're like, no, Joe, you don't panic the hell out of people. I mean, that's the whole the whole point. Uh, I, so, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if it'll... These things tend to... We're getting one of these a day. There'll be one super hit. Tomorrow, you're going to hear about the Homeland Security Department. Adam Schiff is, is suggesting that... There was another whistleblower that, um, that the Homeland Security Director... Is it Ward? Wolf. Um told an employee to to uh, spike uh, reports of Russians trying to tamper again in our intelligence or something. Um, I'll, I'll know about more about it tomorrow. Right now, I'm, I'm doing one, uh, you know, crisis is theatrical melodrama at a time. They almost always end up to be empty and disproven. But the media moves on by the time that happens, so it doesn't matter. So, uh, Trump. He talked about this stuff to the press today. Did you mislead? Well, I think uh, if you said in order to reduce panic, perhaps that's so. The fact is, I'm. Did you mislead the public by saying uh, that you downplayed uh, the coronavirus and that you repeatedly did that in order to uh, reduce panic? Did you mislead? The public? Well, I think uh, if you said in order to reduce panic, perhaps that's so. The fact is, I'm a cheerleader for this country. I love our country. And I don't want people to be frightened. I don't want to create panic, as you say. And uh, certainly, I'm not going to uh, drive uh, this country or the world into a frenzy. We want to show confidence. We want to show strength. We want to show strength as a nation. Good answer. And it's the right answer. I think this is a miss, this is a miss by Woodward. Oh, what it is, is, and we've, we just talked about the confirmation bias, what it is is Trump's voice on tape saying things. And people assume that it's damning. And they're assuming the worst. If you want to believe that Trump's the horrible, incompetent monster, well, there's his voice on tape. And he, Bob Woodward's got him. But there's not much to it. I tried to see what was in there, what there was to it. Yeah, nothing doing. Um, oh, yeah. And so, so they get Fauci out there today. Fauci does a couple of media hits to uh, talk about this. Was Trump? downplaying was he withholding information with the president uh we're talking about the reality of what was going on and then when we would get up in front of the press conferences which were very very common after our discussions mm -hmm. with the president he really didn't say anything different than we discussed when we were with him so i i'm i may not be tuned in to the right thing that they're talking about but i didn't really see any discrepancies between what he told us 
and what we told him and what he ultimately came out publicly and said. So did you get a sense that he was or wasn't playing this down? No. No, no, I didn't. Uh, I didn't get any sense that he was distorting anything. I mean, in my discussions with him, they were always straightforward about the, the concerns that we had. We related that to him. And uh, when he would go out, and I'd hear him discussing the same sort of things. He would often say, we just got through with a briefing with the, the group from the task force and would talk about it. So, no, it may have happened, but I... I I have not seen that kind of distortion. You just have to remember where we were in February and March. My wife first started to think about this in, I think, early February. And she, her antennae, antennae went up and she began buying stuff and creating a bomb shelter for us. But um, but she was way early, way early. Um, and then, but at that point when nobody thought that we'd have a, a crazy pandemic lockdown or anything. Those things were not in our vocabulary. And if somebody says they were, they're lying. Fauci himself was telling people it's not going to be a crazy event. We should have grabbed a cut. But he was saying all that stuff. Check out Fauci in January, February, and even probably the first week of March. And this reality was not going to be the reality to, for the beginning part. But, you know, people want to use this, so they use it. I don't think he said much different than what we said when we were in the Oval Office. Uh, I don't want to put you on the, on the spot here, and I know you talk a lot about the idea that noise sort of uh, gets in there and clouds the message, but you are quoted in the Woodward book as well. Uh, according to the Washington Post, Fauci at one point tells others that the president, quote, is on a separate channel and unfocused in meetings with, quote, rudderless leadership, according to Woodward. Is it, quote, his attention span is like a minus number, Fauci said, right. according to Woodward. His sole purpose is to get reelected. Right. Um, is that right. correct? You know, if you notice, it was others have said that. Yeah. So, you know, you should ask others. I don't recall that at all. So, I mean, in the book, I didn't read the book, but according to what mm -hmm. I saw in the newspapers, it says, and others have said that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I mean, I, I don't really want to get involved in the kind of stuff that is very distracting to the kind of things that I'm trying to do and that we're all trying to do with this outbreak. So you would question that account of then? Yeah, yeah. It's possible he said it. It's possible he said it. David Trump is probably very unfocused in these meetings. And he probably, and that's probably one of the reasons why, why he played this, why his communication was was not good during a lot of these pressers when he was going up there and having this stream of consciousness. He'd take out little pieces of what they had said in a meeting just prior to doing the pressers, and Trump would kind of stick them together in a ham-handed, blocky way, and that doesn't instill confidence. You're looking for pure competence and you're looking for somebody who's got a good grasp of this situation and to see him kind of fumbling with the facts and things that that wasn't good but um so i wouldn't i wouldn't fauci's a human being i wouldn't be surprised I'm, i don't love fauci anyway i mean he also he absolutely misled people with a about the mask situation um but it is what it is you know that's what trump says about the covid deaths right so this is what I was telling you about before with Joe Biden today was in Michigan um, and and he actually sounded pretty strong, pretty good for most of it. He was loud and yelling and he's good at yell loud and yelling, but he seemed more cogent. He wasn't gasping for air like he was uh, last week. He had some flubs, uh, certainly. All 
while raising their prices on prescription drugs that union families and working people have to rely on. And in the process, by the way, he's trying to do away with all health care yeah, in America. I don't, I don't know that he's trying to do it with all health care in America. I mean, it's a bit of a flourish. And the prescription jugs, jugs, I don't know where his mind was. I don't know what he was thinking at that moment. But we all make mistakes. But here, this is what I found odd. Towards the end of the, his speech, he, he, I, I don't know if this was off the cuff or not, but he asks, or he's looking for a piece of paper he keeps in his inside pocket. But it wasn't there. But once he finds it, he reads some numbers, and it just stuck out to me. I carry with me, I don't have it, I gave, gave it to my staff, but I carry with me in my pocket. Hey, do I have that around anyone? Where's my staff? Oh, Jesus. I gave it away anyway. I carry a schedule in my pocket. <laughs> Except now. Except now. I don't carry a schedule in my pocket. That list every single day the number of troops lost in Afghanistan and Iraq, the number wounded. This is my schedule. The back of the schedule is always a black box. You can't really see it. The press may be able to. It says daily U.S. updates. Troops died in Iraq and Afghanistan. 6,922. Not over 6,000. 6,922. 6,922 died in Iraq and Afghanistan. I don't think that's true. The 6,922. So deaths in Iraqi freedom, 4,431. Deaths in Afghanistan, 2,219. So wouldn't that mean 6,600? No, no, 6,000. Yeah, 600. It's 19 and 18. 35? 19, 18, 35. Anyway, it's it's not the number he came up with. I'll try to learn to do math at some time. But, so his number was a little bit different. But let's go on. Because every one of those women and men left behind an entire group of people who relied on them. U.S. troops wounded in Iraq and Afghanistan, 53,188, not over 53,000. U.S. COVID-infected military, or, excuse me, U.S. COVID-infected in America, 6,344,700. U.S. COVID. Now, I believe that number is, is low, actually, and it's a tick above that. But that's fine, but then again, it's the thing he has on him every day. Deaths, 189,506. Military COVID infected, 118,984. So that is absolutely not true. Military infected cases, there were 40,026. That's a way different number than he just read. Military COVID deaths, 6,114. According to the Department of Defense, there have been seven military COVID deaths. Folks, 
Every one of these lives matter. Every one of these lives left somebody behind grieving. Well, but every one of those lives, many of those lives are still alive because we didn't lose that many people in those categories that you were saying, other than the, the COVID deaths, I think, is a, a tick above what he was saying. I, th- I think. I'm not even sure. I just so it's it's not the biggest thing in the world. And he obviously had a little trouble reading the thing and or finding the thing. And who knows, maybe they had last Thursdays or maybe like, you know, a chip on the uh, advanced team is bad at math, whatever, as, as bad at math as I am. I just think it was an odd thing to go to if you're going to have it wrong, you know. I just uh, just seems a little odd to me, but you know that is uh, what it is. So here we are, another day. We're still closed down, but I'm I'm optimistic that um, that things will get better. I mean, I'm the country is, has come to a fever pitch, obviously on these streets, but the economy wants to come alive. It wants to come alive. And if we can just let it, then that would be good for everybody. But I know that in the meantime, that it, this, this this stinks. I believe me. I know it's a tough. It's a tough. Uh, it's a tough time. But you know, it's funny if they're going to go after the downplaying of the virus. All you have to do is social media is filled with all of the early virus um, headlines. The Atlantic. You're likely to get. Uh, you're likely to get the coronavirus. Um, in the coronavirus, worse than the flu? Here's how the two of them compare. The new virus, more deadly than the flu? Not exactly. Flu hitting uh, Arizona more than usual this season, despite attention on coronavirus. The flu is still a bigger health threat uh, in the U.S. than novel coronaviruses. And these are all headlines. Um, let's see. Changing America. This is a... I can't read the paper. These are WAPO or... Is it, the hill why are we panicked about coronavirus in calm about the flu national interest forget the coronavirus the flu pandemic of 1918 killed more people in one year than all of world war one um relax coronavirus is less dangerous as the flu says a epidemic epidemic expert amid coronavirus doctors remind public flu is deadlier and that is from the winter as well just before we all it all went crazy Science uh, alerts. The flu is way bigger threat to most people in the U.S. Coronavirus. Here's why. Yada, yada, yada. Um, this is, uh, yeah. So, you know, we were all there together. And that's and that's uh, how it was. Hope you're doing okay, by the way. I was uh, happy to be with a couple of my friends today on the air. Todd Feinberg and Jerry Callahan. It's always fun. Always a good time. Um, I figured something out. One last thing. Uh, you know, we'll, we're going to talk to my wife, too, I think. Uh, we've got another issue, so stick around, okay? But um, I, I think I had a, an epiphany, and you can tell me if you think the same thing. So in the 1990s, I, I used a wallet all the time. I used it in the 2000s, too, and then I eventually I just I just got a pile of crap in my pockets now. And I always kept my wallet in my front pocket. I never understood why people had it in their back pocket. And I thought, like, are they just trying to look cool? Was that like having a comb in the back pocket in the 80s or whatever? 
Maybe they're trying to look. It doesn't make. It didn't make any sense to have it there. I mean, why would you sit on it anyway? Why is it back there? You can't protect it if it's back there. Yeah, keep it in the front pocket. Now I've had an epiphany. The other uh, yesterday, yesterday, I had. Uh, I had my stuff in my front pocket and car keys and whatever, a couple loose credit cards. And I reach out for my car keys and into my pocket, and a credit card, you know, fell out and onto the ground. I thought, you know what? Maybe that's it. Maybe you've used your pockets for many things. Many things. So your hands are going in your pockets to keep your hands warm, or they're going in your pockets to grab your keys, or to grab a, a handkerchief. I'm old enough. I'm since I'm 88, I use a handkerchief still. Um, or you're you're grabbing, you know, a lozenge from your pocket, and you don't want to risk your stuff falling out, your money falling out, getting pulled out mistakenly. So that's why you put your wallet in the back. But if you had a wallet in the front, you'd figure it would be harder to have it come out if you had a wallet. But I have, I have loose stuff now, so I lose everything. So if you know why we had wallets in the back, can you let me know on Twitter? Just DM me, or you can just text, tweet it to me, or you can email me at winchester at gmail.com. Because I got to know this, and I don't know it. Yesterday I learned what red herring meant after using it incorrectly for three decades. And this one I need to learn as well. That's what we're going to do here. From now on, that's my mission. That's my mission. We're going to try to bring more... Um, we're trying to learn one thing every day. That's what we're going to do. Away from politics. We'll learn one thing every day. You know how many things we'll learn? U.S. COVID infected in America. 6,344,700. 6,344,700. I want to learn 6,344,700 things by the time we're all done and we wrap this podcast up. And to do that, damn it, I need your help. All right, Alice Shattuck, just before you head out the door, it is uh, time for a dispatch from you. What's going on in the world? Hi, not much. We're getting into the fall school year, starting to homeschool. Um, kids in our town start, they do some orientation days um, tomorrow and Friday, so things are getting back in gear, and with that has come... Uh, the complexities of navigating youth sports during COVID, which is just a fascinating minefield. Um, so, before you get into the youth sports, very quickly, so we're four days in. Oh wait, what the hell day is this? Is this we're Wednesday? the third we're, day of homeschool. We're third day of homeschool. The kids did not get Labor Day off. They didn't want it off. You didn't want to give it to them off because you were excited. You were all excited. How's it going so far? It's pretty good. We're a little tired. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a little bit of an adjustment for everybody. And, you know, um, I have to let go of some of my perfectionist streak. And, um, you know, except that we might not get to every single thing I want to say or do every single day. So Right. And and so, yes, so you were a really good student, a uh, friendless nerd in the math club. And um, so you have high standards for these kids and maybe they don't always achieve them. Um, I don't think it's that they don't achieve them. I think they do a great job. I think it's that sometimes I have a tendency to bite off more than I can chew with stuff and set goals for myself of things I want to get to that are not reasonable goals. Right. And this is the only thing. I mean, only experience can tell you what to expect and see how they learn and their behaviors, et cetera. So this is 
Which right. is par for the course. But overall, it's been good. Um, the only thing we're missing right now is math, because the math curriculum didn't get here yet. Um, so because there's very high demand for homeschool. So truth be told, remember the first day of the first morning, it, you didn't sleep. You, you haven't really slept in uh, seven days. Or, so, but That's not true. I'm averaging almost five hours per day. Very nice. Um, so the first day, you uh, stayed... Did an all-nighter in preparation. You set up the classroom. You painted the chairs. You did all sorts of stuff, and but you were nervous before you weren't went up there. And uh, I find it interesting because, I mean, I, I don't. Why were you nervous? What were you what were you unsure about, or was it just a nervousness of something completely new and the fact that the officially sanctioned state thing was happening over here, the thing you're supposed to do, and here was uh, little you. You know, declaring that this was, uh, you know, Aliceville. Yeah, I mean, I think I was just nervous that, you know, you have an idea in your head of how things are going to go. And it's scary to take the first step into actually doing it beyond just having it be imagined in your head. So so when you were up there, what's the first thing you said? How did you change from mom to teacher? That must have been an, uh, a tough thing. Um, Not really. I don't know. How'd you start? I mean, what did it sound like? So the kids, they're all sitting there. <laughs> I'm very interested in the forensics of this because I just, I can't, I can't imagine it. I am, you know, the only, the only thing, if I do broadcast hits and, um, which is speaking in front of people, you know, and radio things. And I was on the Jerry Callahan podcast today and then with Todd Feinberg later today. And to me, it's, you know, usually nervousness, and then you just start going, and the mouth starts making noises that resemble words, and then a good 59% of the time I have all the recollection I need to, to survive, and there we are. Well, I don't know. Our homeschool is less me um, monologuing and more um, interactive. I see. <laughs> it's about them. <laughs> I see. So, <laughs> they have activities to do, and you know I help them, and they ask me questions, and we talk about stuff. And I mean, I do tell them about stuff, but they're not afraid to pipe up and ask me lots of things too. So, and that's um, wonderful, and that's so great when they ask a serious question, especially if, if it's something that I'm able to answer, which is almost a three percent of the time. <laughs> All right, so uh, we'll get we'll get through the front, the the intricacies of the homeschooling at another time. But you've got a youth sports. We've got youth sports issues. What are they? So I had signed the kids up for soccer um, for the fall because soccer was going to be offered. And we did baseball over the summer, which was great. Um, baseball and softball with the older kids. It was really, you know, fun for them to get out and see people and run around and get some coaching at stuff. And great coaches. And it felt like the world was on again. Right. It was fantastic. Um, unfortunately, it's been decided now that youth sports need to wear uh masks the kids need to wear masks while playing the youth sports so um this is true of soccer and this is true of flag football that we're not doing this year but we have friends who have been doing flag football and um you know they went from having the kids getting to run around without masks to then they made the announcement and i think a lot of people have quit flag football and a lot of people are thinking about quitting soccer now that they've announced this about soccer i went and found a program in new hampshire that's offering soccer without masks because i just don't think it's healthy to run around with a mask over your mouth and nose especially if you're a little kid with tiny right. little lungs 
I mean, it seems ridiculous to me. Right. And this is not a disease that's picking on kids. It's picking on fats like me and uh, olds. Right. And I mean, I understand the spectators for that reason. You know, I think that I might not like it, but I get it. But I just think with a kid, the potential health risks of running around in a mask haven't been weighed against the risks of a kid, anything serious happening to them from coronavirus, which is virtually nil. I mean, really, you might as well gird them against lightning strikes on the youth soccer field. Mm-hmm. It's just ridiculously low odds. Which at and, this point we may be doing in a few months. So, Well, yeah, and this is what depresses me because it's like our school district said that things would go back to normal when we had zero cases of COVID in our county. Now, let me point out that we already have zero cases of COVID in our town right now, currently. Mm-hmm. Zero. Zero people have tested positive for coronavirus in West Newbury in the past few weeks. So the idea that we're going to mask all the children while they're playing soccer because somebody has a problem is just so unnerving to me. But the plot thickens because it turns out that this email got sent to all the flag football parents um, where the person in charge of flag football says this, you should know that there are a lot of people raising a lot of stink with the Board of Health, Parks and Rec, the Selectman, Town Manager, etc. about why youth sports are even being allowed. They are taking pictures of people that are maskless, miscounting how many people are in a given space at a given time. And at this point, who knows what else? Yes, I'm just brief. Pause for commentary. Those people suck who are sending pictures who are, uh, you know, are going uh, into full espionage mode and and uh, documenting the, those who stray from the uh, the ordinance. I mean, I think it's so bizarre. Who goes and sees a bunch of kids playing a game outside and is taking pictures of them and complaining to the town and asking that they be shut down? It's just so ridiculous. And let me tell you that you're not going to prevent people from playing sports. Like I say, I went out and I found a soccer program that's in New Hampshire, which to us is 20 minutes away. And my kid is still playing soccer with essentially a group of kids with a lot of overlap with the group he'd be playing soccer with here in West Newbury, he's just doing it up there. And it's going to kill anything that's run by the town. It's going to, I mean, and this is was right. my point about the public schools initially when they did all this. Like, people think they're going to prevent people from, you know, getting to educate their kids. But no, actually what's going to happen is we're just going to say goodbye to the government-issued version of educating our kids. And the same thing's going to happen with sports. If you're going to, shut down the sports that are condoned by the town, people are going to go elsewhere and find other ways to play sports because they want their kids to play sports. I'm not going to shut my kid in the house for another whole season of the year now because some people are mad that a six-year-old who they will never meet in their life is playing soccer without a mask over their face. So ridiculous. It's so angry What's pathetic is that that these town officials give it to him. I mean, what do you do? Who cares? Remember, the, are we? This toggles on and off so so rapidly. I, I get dizzy. Are we listening to the science or are we not listening to the science now? The science is that the kids aren't a problem. They don't get it. We don't even know if they spread it. They don't certainly don't die from it, and it, it, almost very few people are dying from it at all anymore. Right. I believe it was eight yesterday in the state deaths from COVID, and like I say. Our town has zero documented cases of COVID right now. So, I I mean, I don't get it. Where are all these people supposedly going to get COVID from? It doesn't just spring up like mushrooms in the youth soccer 
thing. It has somebody has to transmit it. It's so absurd. So if we're following science, then then the answer should be the kids should be allowed to play soccer without masks on. And like I say, you're not preventing the kids from playing soccer without masks on. You're just preventing them from doing it under the auspices of the town. Right. Right. And you know, it's 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 also just it's just simply performative. It's performative and it's ridiculous and it's terrible. And I know you have to go. Thank you very much, Alex Shattuck. I really appreciate it. Hey, I, I want to hear your story about what you're doing in your town and how things are going for you. You can DM me on Twitter at, um, at Tom Shattuck. I, I think there's an at Alice Shattuck out there, too. And um, you can get me at my email, winchester at gmail.com. Please do reach out. I'll read all this stuff in, uh, on the show. Alice will answer any questions you'd like. Moms out there or dads who are homeschooling. Reach out to us. We'll uh, we'll uh, we'll read them and get back to you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.